All it takes is a click to listen to RTI Online. Get exercise for your finger and exercise for your mind at english.rti.org.tw. Thank you so much for joining us on Radio Taiwan International. I'm your host, Leslie Liao, and coming up this hour, I have Ear to the Ground, where Andrew Ryan brings you some sounds from Taiwan and Jukebox Republic. But you know what? We're going to kick things off with here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Monday, November 4th. I'm your host, Leslie Liao, and joining me today is Mr. John Ventriest. Hi there. And Miss Shirley Lin. Hi, Leslie. On today's agenda, don't go to Taiwan. That's what a certain popular movie is going to tell you. And next, we're building character, quite literally. And next, customers are flocking to a restaurant, and they're sitting at tables that aren't exactly clean. We're going to delve into that and tell you why. And finally, there's this one story where a person has been caught selling flags. Quite patriotic, but he still got arrested anyway. All that and more coming up next on Here in Taiwan. All right, so let's talk about this French movie telling us not to go to Taiwan. It is French, right? The director is, The yes. director is French, okay. Benjamin Martini, uh, he goes by the handle Tolt. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like they drop something on the floor, Tolt. He sounds like onomatopoeia. It's much less pleasant than Benjamin <laughs> Martini, but anyway. Uh, yes, he's created a series of travel videos, and the one about Taiwan is the ninth in his series. Uh, they all begin with don't go to. So we're being warned from the very beginning about what dangers and horrors lie in store. But actually, the video is uh, about why you should come to the country. So it's um, a little bit of reverse, reverse psychology. psychology right. there, yes. I got it. I got it. Um, he came in not knowing anything about Taiwan. Uh, and so he was very excited to, to you know find something out about the place. And it shows that he didn't really know anything about Taiwan because he mentions here the made in Taiwan vision we have in Western countries. That's like 30 years past its sell date. I think that's, that's, that's long over. Those days are long over. Um, anyway, um, he said that he was not disappointed. Honestly, it was a great trip. And actually, the only thing he wished is that he could have stayed longer. He only had a week to film all of this. It seems like he went to quite a number of places because he had a lot to capture. It's not a full movie. It's a quick clip, really. It's 3 minutes, 41 seconds. Oh, really? Standard YouTube length, I would guess. Huh. Um, uh, and... He presents several negative ideas about Taiwan and then uh, dispels them one by one, finishes them all <laughs> off. The first is that Taiwan is just buildings and factories. In certain parts of Taiwan, that Some may be true. Parts of Taiwan. Um, but uh, no, he goes very quickly out to the fields, the forests, the mountains, and all of them are always usually pretty close to all those buildings and factories. You don't yeah. actually have to venture that far into the wilderness to find some nice green spots. Also, that uh, the nature here is lifeless. I don't know how that's possible. Nature is, by definition, well, I guess it's, wildlife is, is by definition live. Um, anyway, he presents lots of, I don't know how he got all these shots of monkeys, butterflies, plants, and a bamboo forest. Also, uh, he shows us how beautiful the temples here are. Uh, they can get very, very elaborate and, mm -hmm. and uh, 
generally, the bigger the temple, the crazier the, de the decor. <laughs> um, they're definitely not simple or subtle in design. Then uh, he says Taiwan's not a destination for outdoor lovers. Again, we already got that a taste of that with the nature scenes, but uh, that's cleared up with scenes of hiking trails, which we have a whole lot. Mm -hmm. And suspension footbridges, which are very popular in the mountains here. Right. Also, a look at uh, how diverse culture is. Uh, he says culture is not so diversified, but uh, he proves that one long with a look at long-sleeved dancers. That must be the the what's the name of that the troupe? ribbon like the, the uh, cloud uh, gate the cloud theater, gate theater. Oh, okay. um, and there's a church, a Buddhist temple, indigenous musicians, and lion dancers. So quite a potpourri there. Uh, also, Taiwan is no gastronomy. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> um, before several night market dishes appear. And uh, then, of course, there's a lot of, to sum things up, there's a lot of faces of real people from mm. around the streets here, and a lot of our natural and man-made sites. And then we conclude with the tagline, the heart of Asia will enchant you. Um, I'm not sure that we're quite the heart, uh, we're sort of the heart of East Asia, maybe. We're sort of in between all yeah. the... The heart of Asia is like Kazakhstan, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, you're, that's a if technical point. Phys physiologically. Um, let's see. So, yeah. Um, and he said, actually, that, like I said, he was very surprised by uh, the food here and uh, the amazing gastronomy. He's French. I don't think that's something that uh, French visitors would say lightly. So I guess we should take that as a great compliment. Yeah, absolutely. I think the highlight of this one was where John was just like, how dare you when he said there's no gastronomy? <laughs> My gloves are off, sir. <laughs> I challenge you to a duel. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I patiently await your reply. There's a bunch of, uh, he's, it seems like he hit a bunch of places and you said he only had a week here? Yeah, I'm amazed at how fast he got everywhere. He was in Kaohsiung, he was in, it looks like on the east coast in some spots, mm. up north here around Taipei. I can't um, even imagine. I have a trouble doing a week, maybe, I don't know, in Taichung or Kaohsiung. I can understand I have him his feeling of wanting more more time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because I think uh, you can. it's not a tremendously huge island as far as islands go, uh, but it is. there's just so much that you can go into in any one given place. Yeah, so. and you say it's only a three-minute clip? It's mm. almost four minutes. Almost four minutes. It gets but, you curious uh, with just yes. that shot, yeah. Well, if you'd like a glimpse of what it's like in here in Taiwan and reasons not to go or reasons to go, go ahead and check that clip out. You said it's called Don't Go to Taiwan by Tolt. Tolt. T-O-L-T. Okay. And thank you very much, sir, for your service. Check it out, everybody. <laughs> Shirley, let's talk about this restaurant that you're telling me where the people insist on sitting at uh, tables that haven't been cleaned. Ew. Or, well, uh, it's probably not only just this particular restaurant, but it's just that uh, this woman who works at a restaurant, um, she she realized this you know, phenomenon. And she and her colleagues are really puzzled by this. Whereas that, you know, um, there are all these, like during maybe like lunch hour or something like that, and there are all these other cleaned table, nobody sitting them. But then all these customers that come in later, they insist on sitting in the tables where the bowls and, the, and, and you know, the tables and everything haven't been cleaned. That's true. Not, not really? Not me, never me. Not, but, um, oh, okay, right. Never, well, I, well, it depends. I mean, if it's crowded and I've, that's the only available I've table. i people do that. You have, right? Yeah, it is weird. Right? I never thought about have it you, until now, but that's well, true. Well, think about it now. What do, you, what do you think of the reasons? Because she actually was so puzzled, she decided to put on a discussion platform right. and ask people uh, their opinions about this. So what do you think? Um, what are the reasons? Does it make them feel good about not cleaning the dishes up at home or something? I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I think maybe those tables are 
for preparation or stuff like that? I mm-hmm. don't even know. Does that have to do with the location of the tables? Well, I think Are they that's something? part. That's it. Are they near the that's, condiments? Yeah, that's one of the reasons. Hands off the least. soy sauce. Yeah, that's at least one of the netizens was saying is that because people have a preference as to which table to sit in any restaurant. It's probably the one near the tissue dispenser. <laughs> oh, that yeah, that's important. That in Taiwan, in for ta- not right. every, not it depends on where, but some restaurants have them at certain intervals along the walls, and you have to sort on of the walls, get yes. up and lean over someone else to grab right. them. So exactly, okay. And then there are others who kind of like want to be inside of the television if there's a t- TV offered, you know, like oh. hung up in a restaurant, right? And then there are others who just want to either avoid the air conditioning, you know, when the strong, you know, blowing some yeah. some some sections of the restaurant, or 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 would prefer the air conditioning, and so that they sit in that particular spot. And then there are others like I don't know about you guys, but it seems like my husband always like to sit facing the street. Mm, okay, I have no That's, preference. I <laughs> so does he tell you why or does are these he, reasons of like, feng shui or what? <laughs> It's this feeling of security, just Is being it? able to look. I don't know. Hmm. Or, of course, there are some people who might be parking their car in, like, you know, non, I mean, uh, um, illegal spots, but then they, they're rushing to have. They want to watch the, where the police lunch. are here they to wanna, give them a ticket. Yeah. Oh. So then that could be, I mean, it could be also reason, but then there are also, someone was saying that because they don't care less. They just they just want to sit where they want to sit. So why should yeah. you question me kind of there thing? Are, there are popular tables where they are, right? I didn't really right. think about that. There are TVs, condiments. Tissue yes. boxes is a, big, is a big one. That's the only one I can think of. Although, if you were to sit... I would want to sit adjacent but not next to one because there's going to be people leaning over you every five minutes and Grabbing. that's also annoying. Yeah, you don't want that. And usually they're hard to find because then you realize, why is everybody it's coming like over here? It's like exits on an airplane. Oh. Yeah, the nearest one know. may be behind you. It's, it's <laughs> now, someone has gone further to say that there are certain tables that people just don't like to sit in. The one that's like right by the doorway. Yeah, right? mm. that's and fair then, enough. Yeah, and then maybe the one next to the bathroom. Yeah, okay. you kind of nah. don't want. Yeah, don't want right. You don't want that. Yeah. So, but anyway, I know I've never come across where people insist on sitting unless it's a you know crowded restaurant and then you know no tables available and people just sit right there and the thing is that she doesn't like the fact where you know there are clean tables and then they insist on sitting in tables that are not clean and then they call out to you and say please clean the table for me oh yeah can you clean this one when they're already like overwhelmed with all that (laughs) work you know yeah Mm. all right well is there a reason why you choose a particular seat at a restaurant well Shirley and John have let us know. I kind of have. I'm kind of laissez-faire about it. I'm, I'll sit where I drop, wherever the the currents of life take you. <laughs> but if our listeners, if you guys have any opinions, you can email us on our fa- or uh, message us on Facebook. Let us know, and maybe we'll talk about it. All right, guys. So I want to talk about this guy uh, who was caught illegally selling flags illegally selling flags he's a russian national and uh, he was here on a tourist visa well there you go so there, so oh. there you go it's not illegal to sell flags is it no yeah. no he was here on a tourist visa he was seen hawking his flags in uh in traffic so you know how like people stop at that red lights oh it's like those people who hand out flowers to yeah. taxi drivers yeah, yeah, for yeah, like yeah. a few cents and um here's the interesting thing he came uh, he came on October 11th to come sell flags. 
Oh man, he had some bad the day timing. after our national terrible day. Terrible timing. That's exactly what I'm saying. Well, maybe he got them like on surplus, like you know, whatever's left over from the celebrations. He and... he brought it with him from wherever he came from. He had 500 Taiwanese flags in his luggage. 500. 500. There's there's the, the small there's hand. The small flags, ones still. Right? 500 is a lot. And he was selling them for about 100 NT each, and he got about 50 NT profit. So that's that profit margin is about like 50 percent. That's um, really. I, I, okay. I think maybe I have a let's let's get some flags. Let's get some, <laughs> let's get some flags, you guys. He he made a profit over two weeks. I he have a work a permit. It's okay. Of twenty thousand and oh my goodness, <laughs> two weeks. So. That's like there are people who work very hard and like barely make more than that in a whole month. Yeah. How long mm. did it take him? A week. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two okay. Weeks. Well, actually, so he's kind of making an average salary. He's making an all right salary. But come he, down to what's his name. Uh, he come down to crazy. They don't even say it. Oleg. O- Oleg. O- crazy Oleg's flag <laughs> depot. Flag emporium. I have discounts, and I'm passing them on to you. <laughs> you won't believe the savings. Anyway, um, he was spotted selling them in both Taipei and Kaohsiung. He got around quite a bit. He did. Yeah. Really, he really did. Although I guess that would take a toll on your earnings. That's, yeah. I mean, if you're going Travel. to buy the regular fast train, that's that can be expensive. I think the, I think the aim was to fund his travels around the island. Well, he's done better than uh, some other people. There were people near where I live that were, I'm not sure where they were from, but they were like trying to like sell mm-hmm. postcards to people. I don't know if we talked about this before. This was about mm-hmm. two months ago. And like every night uh, they would like just they, show up on, on the street and like try and get you to sell postcards. Yeah, yeah. But then somebody found out that, <laughs> that they had just been taking the photos. They weren't photos they'd taken themselves. They were like pictures they'd just taken off of like Instagram or something. Stock images. <laughs> yeah. They were trying to, uh-huh. It was such a scam. I didn't... Uh-huh. I, I felt tempted to call somebody, but I, did, I didn't. All right. Like, so let's talk, let's talk about this... Um, Let's talk about this quote-unquote scam, right? So they caught him on Saturday, October 26th, and uh, they seized 886 flags on the spot. So he sold 414 flags in his two weeks in Taiwan. How do... He must be a good salesperson. Or have, like, uh, I don't know, a certain charisma, a certain charm, because Mm. I would... I don't tend to... I tend to, like, be one of those people who... Doesn't like people handing flyers and stuff, yeah. you know? Um, but when he was caught, he claimed to be hearing and speech impaired. Oh, so, wow. So, I don't know. But he was deported on Halloween, actually, at 7 a.m. And, um, you know, if you want to sell flags, you got to make sure you have the right visas. I guess so. They should at least give him, like, a little parting gift of a few extra ones. <laughs> maybe some flag stickers. Some actual flags. <laughs> well, maybe, John, you were right. He was doing that to fund his own, tri- you know, travel around the island. Mm-hmm. I mean, at, he, at least he, he was he selling knows. something that, like, people actually wanted that wasn't, like, stolen from someone else. That's, that's what, that's what my point is. That's true. Still mm-hmm. very illegal, though. Don't do that. Don't do it. John, so we said you had a story about building character, and that's in a literal sense. Yeah, it kind of is. The National Parents Association uh, is a group that apparently has decided that kids these days don't have enough character. And so they are pushing for character education by giving 50 schools in the Taichung region plaques that are inscribed with certain characters. (laughs) <laughs> oh, so you're like it's building with Chinese characters. Yes. You're building character that, okay. Specifically oh, oh, the phrase okay. which means something to the effect of propriety, justice, integrity, and honor. Um, very lofty words there. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
the mayor apparently was at one of these plaque unveilings. So apparently everyone in the local government's in on this. Um, and the mayor said that students' academic achievements and skills don't mean anything without character education. Um, and so, yeah, the association is raising funds to purchase these plaques to hang on school campuses as awards. They're, they're not just giving them away for free. They have to prove their efforts in character education to get huh. one. And these plaques are not a new thing. In fact, they were once very common on school campuses, but they are much less common these days. I think it's sort of an old school thing. Very much so. Um, that you would. It's a very classical and lofty phrase. Uh, it's like having a Latin motto sort of carved into your school walls. There are... <clears throat> I think older schools may do that, but I don't think newer ones necessarily do. Yeah. Similar idea there. And so uh, one school principal interviewed for this article says that uh, they were once common but can't be found at several newly established schools that he's worked at. And that compared to students in the past, students today are even less familiar with this expression. This is a set phrase. Mm. Um, and they don't really understand the meaning of it um so uh the idea is for them to i guess look at this and behave themselves or i don't quite understand i, I don't think see probably... how i would appreciate a plaque like that myself personally and in, well it's like unless it's like really nice calligraphy it I probably is know. i'm sure it's very it's perfectly nice it just then. i think that um Maybe certain people are showing their age a little bit. I don't. In an age of when they're definitely their eyes are glued to their phones, I'm not sure that like that's the medium for getting across that sort of you know, hey kids, yeah, be a good like, person, uh, make good life choices. At a certain point, I think this is just the the prior generation being like, well, you know what, you kids. It has like. a certain feeling of finger wagging to it, doesn't it? It kind I think of it, does. It would only be appreciated by their parents, not the kids themselves, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, the plaques. I think the, <laughs> that uh, maybe that money could be put towards alternative uses. Although, it is a tricky thing. Like, how do you build character? You can present good <laughs> examples in school textbooks and things like that. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, a lot of it is nature and nurture, isn't it? Handering, handing out actual characters, I think, is just too literal of a... Hmm. It's almost too literal. I think me. maybe they can do some brainstorming about other more... But, you said the mayor was at one of these. The things, title right? mayor was apparently at one of these unveilings recently. Huh. So it has apparently uh, at least not official support, but official. I don't know. Uh, this sort of uh, they're like, oh, good, good job. <laughs> A little pat on the back for yeah, it. Yeah, they sort of are behind it. Um, again, I think maybe we can rethink ways of getting kids to, to be the kids these days to you know become. Better, well-rounded people, you know, good citizens. Well, do you have an idea about how we might, you know, help kids become better people? If you do, once again, you can always email us at RTI or look us up on Facebook, send us a message, and tell us what you think. Anyway, that's all the time we have for this edition of Here in Taiwan. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Leslie Liao. I'm John Van Trieste. And I'm Shirley Lin. Up next, Ear to the Ground and Jukebox Republic, Don't Go Away.
You don't often hear English in Taipei, but when you do, it's often the recorded voice of a woman. In today's Ear to the Ground, I'll introduce you to Taipei's electronic woman, and of course, she speaks Mandarin, Taiwanese, and Hakka too. Having a job in radio in Taiwan often leads to other opportunities, things like doing translations or hosting gigs or even recording voiceovers or narrations. It, it seems like people are always looking for native speakers to help out with something related to English. And I've been very fortunate over the last decade and a half to help out with a lot of different projects, big and small. The voiceover work in particular has been a lot of fun. Yes, of course, doing recordings of all of the words in electronic dictionary can be tedious work. But once you're finished, you have a product to show for your efforts. Voice work for corporate videos or films that introduce scenic areas can also be a lot of fun, especially if a friend of yours happens to discover your work unexpectedly and you get a call asking, were you the voice of the video that they show at the national park? There can be some downsides too, like the time I recorded the audio guide to a local historic site only to find out that the production company had sped up the recording so that it fit the allotted time. I still haven't heard that one in person. I'm afraid my voice probably sounds like Chippendale, you know, the Disney chipmunks with the sped-up voices. There was also the time a former colleague at RTI, Shireen Wang, and I did the recording for a local chain of steak restaurants. Apparently that time, the production company made a poor-quality recording, or maybe they forgot to press record altogether. I can't really remember at this point. But they wanted us to go back and re-record it for free. That was a little overrated. One of the funnier moments came when I was recording the voice of a man in a condom commercial. It was kind of a racy advertisement, and I'm sure that my face must have been red the entire time I was recording. Through the years, I've met a fair number of people who do voice recordings. Some people specialize in English teaching materials. Other people prefer to do commercials or voice work for films. Many of those recording artists have come and gone, but one voice has endured all of these years. It's the voice of a woman named Terry. I haven't seen her in maybe five or six years, but I certainly have heard her. You can hear her voice on the MRT, that's the local subway system. You can hear it in commercials, and you can even hear it in Taipei's buses. She has an easily distinguishable, broad American accent. It's a pleasant voice, and it's taken her very far through these years. It was Terry's voice and the voice of all of the other women who record the Chinese, Taiwanese, and Hakka voices in Taiwan that gave me the inspiration to record this sound postcard from October of 2004. There she is, calling out number 491 at the post office. And she's on the subway pulling into Gongguan Station. That's her on the phone directing calls. And now she's encouraging me to insert money into an easy card machine. She's everywhere these days. I've encountered her at the hospital, in convenience stores, at department stores, inside ATM machines, in elevators, near escalators. And she speaks English now, too. 
Please retrieve easy card. And Taiwanese and Hakka, the language of the Amis tribe, and even Japanese. She's busy, too, prompting us at every turn. Some might decry a society which has allowed the spread of such an impersonal noise. But in a quickly developing world populated by confusing visual messages and the bizarre mechanical beeps and clicks of modernization, it's almost refreshing to have an almost human voice helping us to navigate our surroundings. The caption on today's sound postcard Taiwan's Electronic Woman. Thanks for joining me for this little journey into the world of my friend, Taipei's electronic woman. With an ear to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan. Welcome to Chipos Republic. I'm Shirley Lin. I feel too young to have a married daughter, but I do. She just got married more than a week ago. Kind of feeling strange. She's married so young. She's only 23, and so is he. But, um, you know, they've been seriously dating for two years, and they figured it's time. Why wait? I mean, why not? Kind of thing. Months went by um, after she got engaged, and I didn't feel a thing. People would ask me. And I would always say, oh, it's the daddy, the daddy that's, you know, going to miss her more. But uh, actually, the week before the wedding, I was starting to feel something. Yeah, I really did. Both of us basically felt Sebuta. That's the name of the song by Shiruyun. What it means is, don't want to let go. Can't let go. Oh, oh, oh. 
That was Xiru Yun with the song Sabuta, which means like, um, can't let you go, uh, gonna miss you, uh, reluctant, or, you know, don't, yeah, anyway, don't want to, don't want to let you go. And actually, my husband, Big John, wrote a song with that same title. I mean, he had the idea right after she got engaged, our daughter got engaged, and, um, he knew that that's what he wanted for the title of the song, and, um, uh, you know, after some advice from a friend, he started writing the lyrics and he was done in 20 minutes. Um, I told him, I said, you, you, I, I basically I asked him, you know, I made him make a vow that he won't sing it during the wedding because I wouldn't want to see my daughter in tears and then, you know, and just making a scene and then wrecking her makeup and everything. So he decided he was going to sing it at the rehearsal which uh, usually takes place the day before the wedding. Now, I don't think this is a very usual thing in Taiwanese culture, but in Western culture, yes, you know, rehearsal dinners or rehearsal tea, and that's what we had. We had a rehearsal afternoon tea. Um, so with the song, um, you know, he wasn't quite sure even if he could sing it at the rehearsal because he was so afraid he was going to break down and cry. You see, so he actually had asked to have our son sing with him, or even like asked, you know, my son and a friend of his to sing the song together, and not my husband. We just thought that either way it was just really strange, and that's kind of weird. So anyway, um, he was like, you know, practicing on a song. Um, he actually went on and studied, um, went on YouTube and studied, you know, songwriting. I was really impressed with his first time writing a song ever in his whole life. It was actually sounding really nice. But he would be practicing it, practicing it, and and then and it got stuck in my head, and I'll be hum it sometimes. And actually, you know, literally every time when he was practicing, I'd be like crying in a corner. I'd be like, you know, doing the laundry or folding the clothes, and I'll be crying to myself. And it's just a sad song and yeah um, the song you just heard just now was actually a sad song but not in that sense it's more like you know um, a breakup you know and that's why there's that song so it was sad but some of the lyrics might not really exactly what we mean you know um, uh, in our case but anyway um, so you know there was a time when I asked him I said hey 
if you've been practicing so many times to the point where you might be numb to the song, not numb, but I meant like, you know, maybe you wouldn't cry at the, at the real thing because you've practiced it so much that, you know, you just sing it and without any feelings. Well, anyway, um, that's just what I thought. But guess what? He cried. He did. He cried the actual thing. I'll tell you all about it after these next two songs. The first song is also about Sabuta, you know, don't want to let you go, but it's Sabuta Ni, um, just with a, the, the character you added on. And then the other song is Gantong. Uh, it means being touched, being moved by Xin Xiaoqi. Well, the first song, Sabuta Ni, is by Zhen Shouwen from Hong Kong.
事埋怨，终究要面对。喜欢笑时泪水，自己心甘情愿。是错，谁是对，再也无所谓。这是我的选择，绝不能说后悔。我舍不得你，无奈这一次只能要离开。天空依然那么冷，有一天你会明白。我舍不得。
So at the rehearsal, my husband Big John insisted he would be the last one to share because I'm mean, usually at rehearsal. Uh, the bride and the groom would share about the no, actually it's the other way around. The bride, uh, the bridesmaids and the and the groomsmen would be the ones to share about the gr- bride and groom. And so my husband insisted he would be the last one. So when he did, when it was his turn, he got up and uh, he asked for his daughter Clarita to stand at his side, and he. You know, clicked on on a stereo. I think that he it would have been better, it would have been more romantic if he had played on the ukulele and then sang the song. But um, he was just too nervous. He said that it's better off that he just sings. You know, focus on the singing. So he started singing. It started off fine, and he was really loud and clear. Then he started, um, yeah, started choking, started breaking down. So that was when I decided I would go up. You know, and um, stand on the other side of my daughter Clarita, and that I would help him with the singing. But <laughs> the thing was that I started crying too. I couldn't help it, so I was like, "No help." But uh, the good thing that he had the lyrics printed out, and so the lyrics were uh, handed out to everyone there, including my daughter, and uh, so at least everybody knew what we were singing. It was all very nice and sweet. And touching and moving, I'm sure it brought a lot of people there to tears as well. Then we moved、uh, from there to the church building. It was like on a little hill, and actually we have a lot of weddings、uh, from our church that are being held there, the same place. So the rehearsal was just nice and easy. Our pastor literally had the routine all memorized, so he was very clear, and、um, it was very nice. You know, my daughter. Had wanted to have an outdoor、um, wedding because、uh, she really wanted to like have it out in the green and and everything. But then, you know, it's not a very Taiwanese thing to do to have outdoor weddings, and there aren't that many venues like that in Taiwan, in Taipei, to say the least. Anyway, so、um, and also the fact that you know it could. Be the ty- you know it could be the typhoon season. It is kind of late, but things are later now with the global warming, and so、um, she figured that since the weather could be unpredictable, maybe better on the safe side is to have it indoors. And besides, if it really should rain,、um, then、um, she doesn't really want the you know everything to to be ruined, and then everybody's you know mood to be affected. Yeah, she really didn't want that. So. 
like I said, it's not a very timeless thing to have outdoor weddings, let, let alone, um, you know, wedding ceremonies in a church, you see. Um, usually, they would just do it all at the banquet, the wedding banquet in the evening, they, where they would have a simple, you know, wedding ceremony in the beginning and then, and then go right into the banquet and everybody start eating. And that's like the most important part, you know, of Taiwanese life. But uh, anyway, still, it turned out to be perfect. The weather was nice, and um, the wedding was just perfect, just beautiful, just, just beautiful. Yeah, so I'm glad that my daughter made the right decision, and you know everything was just wonderful. I mean, she wanted a green, right? And actually, outside every window of the church building, you see green. So it was still perfect. You know, still got most of what she wanted for her dream wedding. Well, I'll tell you more about the wedding itself and everything. In the next episode, how's that? So, thank you so much for tuning in to Jubal's Republic. I'm Shirley Lin. Here's another song by Zheng Xiaowen. It's called "不能承受的感动." I don't even know how to translate this. Um, move to the point where I can't take it.
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. Thank you.